The following audio is from All Saints Church. For more information about the church, please visit our website at allsaintsgb.org. Our Old Testament reading this morning comes to us from Exodus chapter 3. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet. For the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings. And I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now, behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come. I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, But I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. And Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob has appeared to me, saying, I have observed you and what has been done to you in Egypt, and I promise that I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites a land flowing with milk and honey. And they will listen to your voice. And you and the elders of Israel shall go to the king of Egypt and say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. And now, please, let us go a three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless compelled by a mighty hand. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all the wonders that I will do in it. After that, he will let you go. And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And when you go, 
he shall not go empty. But each woman shall ask of her neighbor and any woman who lives in her house for silver and gold jewelry and for clothing. You shall put them on your sons and on your daughters. So you shall plunder the Egyptians. God, we thank you for your word. Heavenly Father, I just pray also that you would just help me in my words, that they be your words. And as we walk through a pretty significant and lengthy text, Lord, that you would give our eyes and ears attentiveness to hear what you have to say to us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. My son was asking me as we're staring at it, Dad, is that live? Is that real? Is that happening right now as we stood staring at the vivid image of a 55-inch television at Costco displaying a bright green tree frog? Dad, is that real? Is that live? No, son. Not live. Dad, we have got to get one of these. Look at how much better and bigger and brighter it is compared to our TV. And as we walked out of the store with a smaller 50-inch TV in my arms, my son was skipping out of the place as if he had been given a new lease on life. Thank you, Dad. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Dad. But he can read me like a book. As he's saying, thank you, thank you, thank you, Dad, he looks up at me, he's like, what's wrong, Dad? As he saw a sourness on my face, what was weighing on me fell out of my mouth much too quickly for his little ears to digest. I'm struggling that the thing that makes people seem to come alive today is the purchase of a flat screen television. As they set up the new TV, I put... In a recycling box, the old dusty 42-inch TV that probably had the same life-giving promise at that time that didn't deliver. Into the recycling pile, it went. Must be replaced with bigger, better, brighter experiences. Friends, this is where we live. This is the world in which we live. A world where what brings us to life are experiences. Bigger experiences, better experiences, brighter experiences. We are in a constant search for something to deliver us back to life. Bigger, brighter, better. We think we found it. And then, even moments later, it disappoints us and it dulls. We look to the past to bring us back to life. We remember past achievements. We remember past accolades like that 60-yard reception for the win or that GPA or that homecoming crown to give us that boost. It doesn't work. It doesn't deliver. We look to the present, our current friend status or our current financial status compared to others to give us that jolt of vitality, that we're alive. Or we look out on the horizon to the future plans or prospects that are sure to offer us a better life than we have right now. But no matter which direction we turn our heads to the past, at the present, to the future, we end up disappointed and maybe even deadened that these things that we see didn't deliver us life. 
as we continue walking through the book of Exodus, today's passage, friends, is intended to give us the biggest, the brightest, the best picture of life ever imagined. But it comes at what point in the story? We've only spent two weeks in the book of Exodus, two chapters, but we have to remember that those two chapters encompass 400 years of suffering. 400 years of suffering. The Hebrew Hebrew people have been enslaved for that long, longer than our materialistic nation has even been in existence. That's how long they've been suffering. And what happens to the past, to the present, to the future, when a people have been suffering for that long, for 400 years? What happens to us when we suffer for a long period of time? Suffering can cause us to forget any past good, Suffering can cause us to despise the present tense. And suffering can cause us to believe that things will never get any better. But what if our circumstances, our experiences, are not what are meant to give us life? What if life, real life, only comes from one place? From the maker of life. Right now, friends, his song is being sung in heaven. Right now and forever. And it's a song that has the first line to the lyrics of this. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And it's a song that's sung in the verses of Exodus 3. As we see, as Moses sees the holy, holy, holiness of the Lord God Almighty, we are called to let this Holy One be the only one to deliver us to life. I want to ask the question this morning of this chapter. Who is this Holy One who can alone deliver us to life? Who is this Holy One? He is the Lord who was He is the Lord who is, and He is the Lord who is to come. First, He is the Lord who was the life. That's your source of life, the Lord who was the life. As we look at the first six verses of this passage, where do we see a God who was, or a God of the past, as the source of life in these first six verses? Well, Moses He comes upon a bush that's burning but is not being burnt up. Why is that bush not burning up? Because the source of fire is fire. Because the source of life is life. This burning bush is called a theophany, which means it's a God appearing in the Old Testament where God is seen in some way, shape, or form. And Moses is in the presence of God. And what is the first thing God wants him to see? A consuming fire not being consumed. Boy Scouts or Girl Scouts, what are three things fire needs to burn? Do you remember the fire triangle? Oxygen, fuel, and heat. And in this burning bush, we see a God of all three. 
A holy trinity of breath, heat, and substance, which speaks to the three main aspects of God's character like we talked about with the kids. He's eternal. He doesn't have a beginning or an ending. He's infinite. He needs nothing else to keep him burning. And he's unchanging. No matter how hot that flame burns, the fuel, the substance, the bush remains. Here is a holy, holy, holy God. As Moses is called by the messenger of the Lord, who the text makes clear is God himself speaking, he asks Moses, remove your sandals. Why? You'd think on holy ground you'd need some protection between that holy ground and your feet, right? He asks him to remove his sandals because an exchange needs to be made between a holy God and an unholy Moses. And sandals are often used as a transaction between the clean and the unclean in the Old Testament. God remains always holy. Man has not. Moses removes his sandals and then hides his face from the Lord because he knows that the two faces, his and God's, cannot meet without deadly consequences. And he hears the Lord remind him of Moses' past and God's continual burning in that past. As he says, I'm the God of your father. He reminds Moses that his father was a priest, a man of God. I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. When you hear that expression, which you hear it three times in this passage, when you hear that covenant expression of the three fathers of the faith, What you need to hear in that partly is I'm the God of the past, I'm the God of the present, and I'm the God of the future. For the sake of illustration, I'm going to take each man, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and look at past, present, and future. Abraham is the starting point of a Hebrew's faith. Abraham is a representative of the past. He is a mark of the beginning. Abraham is considered the father of faith in God who believed God's promises to make for himself a people, a place, and to bless his his people through him. But Abraham knew that before Abraham was, God was there. Before even the sky that held all of the stars that God showed Abraham, it's going to be how many family members you had, God was there before Abraham. Why is this important for us to remember in asking what can bring us to life? Because friends, we have to let God alone be our source of life. If you remember with Abraham, he couldn't have children. He was fatherless. A guy named Father had no kids. And God gave him children to show him, I'm the source of life. We must let God, the God of I was, the God of Abraham, be the source we go to to find life. Anything that you go to for life, friends, which has a beginning, will never give you life. Think about that for a second. Anything that you go to for life which has a beginning will never give you life. The Lord God Almighty is the source of anything that gives us life. Think about the sun. Think about air, water, food. Where did it come from? The maker of all of those things. 
So when you eat, say grace to the source of life. When you drink, say grace to the source of life. When you get paid, say grace to the source of life. We have to let him be our source of life. We also must let the I was of God be there to burn up the impurities of our messed up pasts. It's hard for us when we look at the past and look at God. But Moses was a murderer. The holy God who was made in exchange with those sandals so that an unholy Moses could stand and live, he made the exchange through Jesus. Throw your past, your present, even your future sin sandals onto a holy God who was there before your first sin was thrown. And let, friends, the past evidences of God's work from the start of creation to the work on the cross to the triumph of the tomb be what consumes you, what gets you going in the morning. Not coffee. (laughs) Him. Past evidences, even in your own life, when you knew without question in your life, looking back, that God was already there before you even got there. God was there before you. The Lord who was the life is your source of life. Secondly, the Lord who is the life is your present help in suffering. We see evidence of this present God in verses 7 to 15. A God, think about it, a God who's only in the past. If you had a God who was just in the past, that would be a tragedy for all of us in our present suffering, wouldn't it? That's the God who skeptics say just winds up the clock of creation and then just watches it all unfold. That's not who the Lord is. Who he is, according to these verses, is a God who sees, who hears, who knows our suffering, our plight, our broken condition that we got ourselves in as humans. Do you see that in this passage? He's a present tense God. I see the suffering. I hear the misery. I know the cries. Almost on a dime after Moses sees the God who always was, God shifts into the God who is. The misery, the cries, the suffering that his people are experiencing in the present, God is experiencing as well. He's sharing in their suffering. And he's working at present with Moses to get a deliverer who's going to take them out of their present suffering into a future that's great. A good and wide land with rivers of milk and honey. Sounds amazing. But Moses has questions as he sees this God of the present. He asks God basically two questions. Who am I and who are you? And the Lord answers the first question with a present tense encouragement in verse 12. Who am I that you would send me that I could do this? And what does he say to him? I am with you. I'm present with you. And he also gives him this deja vu promise which says to him, you know what, we're going to be back here in one year in this same place and you'll remember I never went anywhere. I've been with you the whole time. As Moses tries to even find life in his own present abilities and asks, who am I? God reminds him, no, 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 no. It's not who I am, it's who I am. I am with you. And as Moses continues to question, you know what, these Hebrews, they're not going to listen to a single word I say because I've got a reputation there. Who do I say sent me? Because they're probably not going to believe me. I want to ask this question. If, 
you were to describe God or asked to describe God, of all the descriptors you could come up with, what would you, what would you say? To describe God in one word, what would you say? What does God choose to describe? How does he choose to describe himself? Is. I am. That's the Hebrew word. Is. Yahweh. What your Bible will often translate in all caps as the Lord is. I am. Is. The God of active and unending present tense. I am. And he repeats the promises again in these passages with the names of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as a reminder to not only Moses but to the rest of the people of his active presence among them. Again, just for illustration's purposes, we looked at Abraham as the past. Let's look at Isaac as the picture of the present. Do you remember who Isaac was? Isaac's the son of Abraham. Isaac is the child of the promise. Isaac was like the middleman or the middle father of the faith. He's the in-between. He was the firstborn son. And do you remember what happened to him as a firstborn son? He was laid down to be the sacrifice for sin. But then he was spared because God was going to provide another Isaac to be offered. Isaac was the beneficiary of all Abraham's inheritance in order to be then given over to all the children of Israel. Isaac's name means son of promise. And he's like the promise of a past God realized in the present tense. Isaac's name begins with is. And he's the son of laughter. Heard from a suffering woman who thought she'd never hold a living, breathing baby in her arms. And the same kind of laughter would later come from a virgin woman who says, how in the world am I holding a child in my arms? Laughter that a God brings about deliverance, rescue, help, and hope. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and who is. Friends, you need to let him be your present help in suffering. Jesus, the son of the promise, the second Isaac, would use this phrase, I am, in the Gospel of John, to remind his followers to let him be their present help in times of suffering or struggle. Seven I am's, Jesus said. I am the bread of life. Would you let Jesus feed you when you're hungering for righteousness? I am the light of the world. Let him light your path when it gets really dark. I am the door. Let him open doors for you that you cannot open for yourself. I am the shepherd, the good shepherd. Let him lay down his life for you as a sacrifice for sin. I am the resurrection and the life. Let him bring you dead one back to life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Let him be faithful to God when you are not faithful to God. I am the true vine. Let him connect you to God through a spirit who will bear fruit in you even as you suffer with him. The Lord, who is the life, is your present help in suffering. And finally, the Lord who is the life to come, is your security for a far greater life. 
Look with me at the last verses, 16 to 22. Moses is given throughout these passages, if you notice how many future promises there are, how many I wills there are, there's a lot in those passages. He's given a promise that you're not going to go it alone as he makes Moses Presbyterian. See that? Moses, there's going to be elders that you have to gather to help in leading God's people. He goes all Presbyterian and they're reminded of the holy God who was and is and is to come. They're going to listen to you as you go with Moses to Pharaoh and request this leave of absence for worship. And the God of life to come also gives comfort to them of the suffering that's going to come their way when Moses will refuse. He says, I know he's not going to let you go. I know the future and I'm actively guiding that future. I know that that's going to happen. There's going to be suffering. I will stretch out my hand, he says. I will strike Egypt with all my wonders. And after that, I will send you out. And if the future also has in it riches and blessings, see that in the last verse, as the plundering of Egypt doesn't come through typical plundering measures. It doesn't come through this army killing a bunch of people, ravaging and raping people. No. How does the plundering of Egypt happen? <laughs> With women asking, hey, can I have your earrings? Hey, can I have your shirt? Hey, can I have your dress? Women asking their fellow neighbors, fellow women, for something to wear. That's how God's people are going to be clothed. And they will move to a place filled with many nations as you heard about the Amorites and the Hittites and the Canaanites and the Perizzites. They're going to move to a place filled with many nations. And God's people are intended to bless these many nations with the God that they bring to them. There's a security in knowing that God holds the future. He knows the future. He guides and leads the future. I received a quote this week from a friend, and she very graciously reminded me, you need to read this slowly, because she probably knows my tendency to fly through things. And it said this, your future's in my hands. I release it to you day by day, moment by moment. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. Your future is in my hands. The God of Jacob is the God of future security and greater life. Do you remember Jacob? That Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Jacob being our future guy. Jacob was a scoundrel. But we also remember him as a keeper of a vision, of a promise. Do you remember what Jacob's vision was? Jacob was given a vision by God of a ladder to heaven where people could have full access to God. Jacob was the keeper of a future hope, where from one man would come many tribes, and from many tribes, many nations, who could become the kingdom of heaven. Are you finding life, friends, in the life that is to come, not a flat screen TV? Are you still attempting to believe that your past, your present, is all there is? Let not only the Lord's I was 
and I am's bring you to life. Let his I will bring you to life. What he says he will do, make that also your will and how you live. The way you do that, friends, is live as if this isn't the end. <laughs> live with Jacob's ladder in view. Let God's foreknowledge of everything that's going to happen to you or to your children, to your children's children, remove your anxiety and give you peace to know he knows where we're going. And let his mysterious ways be made known to you slowly, day by day, moment by moment, as you wait on him, rather than trying to force his will or his hand too early by your own timing on things. Jesus unashamedly is the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of all time, the God of past, present, and future. And Jesus, in being questioned by religious leaders of the day, blew all of their categories by naming his burning bush past when he said to them, before Abraham was, I am. And he's then named by a watching soldier standing at the cross as he sees Isaac's present suffering and sacrifice for sin as he declares, Surely this is the Son of God. And Jesus is the future hope of Jacob as he ascends into heaven to now sit at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. He's promised that. Jesus is the fulfillment of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jesus began this new covenant, friends. This new kingdom, this new family of faith with his blood. Jesus is our laughter as the son of the promise that God would provide for us a rescue from our current suffering. It's here. And Jesus is the future promise that from him would come 12 apostles who would go out into all the nations making elders, disciples, followers of him to his kingdom of heaven, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit burning bush. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Let the Holy One, Jesus Christ, the great I Am, be the only one to deliver you to life and life forever. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the life that you've promised us and given us and offered us in Jesus. As we see that bush burning and as we hear those words in our ears, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, help us to remember, Lord, that you are an infinite, unchanging, and eternal God. The source of life, the source of life, nothing else can give us life but you present help in our suffering. Help us call upon you for help now because you hear us, you see us, you know us. And Father, help us to trust in your will, your future of what will happen. May we find a greater glory than this life in the future that is your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Do your work, Father, in us. Help us to continue to trust and let the great I am be the one who gives us life. It's in his name we pray. Amen.